Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Before uh, I read the, the text for this morning, I just want to thank Pastor Mark for, number one, opening a door for us to come here. You know, it's a... Uh, Actually, uh, we're blessed also to come here. And thank you, Pastor Mark, uh, Ms. Terry, for inviting us to come. And in, in addition to that, thank you, Pastor Mark, for allowing me to preach this morning and trusting the brothers and sisters to me this morning. So, and I also thank the, you know, I, we met the... Uh, mostly the leaders of, of, the, of this church last night, and you guys are wonderful. I believe those leaders uh, represent the whole church so well, and uh, we feel we're part of the family. We enjoyed our time just for one day. <laughs> we're enjoying that, that our stay here already, and that's why when I heard that it's going to be your anniversary on the 11th, we're, well, I'm going to suggest this to the team, if we can just extend our stay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for having us here. Okay, so uh, I'm going to read the Word of God, and can I just invite everyone to stand up to give reverence to the Word? And you can uh, get your Bible now. In whatever form, what I mean is uh, if you have uh, an old school like what I have here with paper, ink, and spine, then that's good. If you have a digital, the digital version, that's good too. Anyway, a tablet is, is biblical. <laughs> and if you ha still have that scroll version, you can have it too. <laughs> okay, I'll be reading from uh, the book of Acts chapter 19. And I'm going to read uh, three verses. That's uh, from verse 8. To verse 10. And I'm going to read from the New International Version, although I'm going to refer to the ESV as I preach later. So I can uh, talk about the, this text. Verse 8, it says here, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly. Spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, thank you. For your word, O oh God, we believe it's living and active. It's a seed that will be planted in our hearts, O oh God. It's something that, that brings change, O oh God. Change of convictions, change of lifestyle, change of beliefs, O oh Lord. That's why as, the, as your living word, we ask, O oh God, that that will begin to work in our hearts. And we thank you, O oh God, for the preaching of the word this morning. We pray, God, that you anoint that you speak personally to each one, each of my brother and each of my sister this morning. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can sit down. You know, somebody said, I don't know if uh, that was Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, or Alan Kay. Alan Kay sounds familiar. It should be Alan K-A-Y, but there's an Alan K who's a, a Filipino actor. It just dawned on me just now. <laughs> but he said that the best way to predict the future is to invent it. That means if you want the, the future to go this way, then direct it going towards that way. And of course, mostly that applies to technology or business methods or practices. But if I may just use that in relation to campus ministry, which is, by the way, uh, we are talking about in ACT, Every Nation ACT, that, that is. And like uh, we're talking about what we do as Every Nation, and uh, most of you know that Life in the Sun is part of this bigger family of churches, uh, which is called Every Nation. And in the previous weeks, we actually started talking about uh, like compassion ministries. And last week, of course, uh, Pastor Mark, I believe, talked about campus ministry, and it's just a continuation right now. And what I'm going to say this morning is actually not new to you, but I'm, I'm hoping, and, and well, the reason why we're doing that every year is so that we could review and light that fire once again in our hearts, meaning the, the things that every nation does, world missions, campus ministry, planting churches, okay? And like I said, this is part two of what Pastor Mark is saying. And going back to that quote that I uh, mentioned earlier, if I may just relate that, the inventing of the future as the best way to predict, to predict the future, if I may just rephrase that, the, uh, it goes like this. The best way to predict the future is to disciple it. Amen? Amen? The best way to predict the future is to disciple it. Meaning, if you believe that the future are the young people you believe that? Amen. Yeah, you know, uh, we have this uh, national hero that we call in the Philippines. His name is Dr. Jose Rizal. Even him, more than a century ago, recognized the importance of building the young people, although he did not have a, a very detailed plan on how to turn them into godly people, although I believe Dr. Jose Rizal, and probably uh, some of you here know him, I believe he's, he was... A Christian. Uh, just to uh, aside comment, uh, some of his books were named after a Bible verse, like the, his book Noli Metangere. It was taken directly from the Book of John. So, well, anyway, but he did not give a detailed plan of how to reach the young people. But the point is, he recognized the importance of reaching the young people. That's why this morning I'm proposing. That the best way to predict the future is to disciple it. And like what we always say, neutrality is a myth. 
You're either for it or against it. That's why when we deliberately reach the, the students in the campuses, that's good. We're discipling the future and in a way we have a, a better feel of what it is to be in the future. But if you're not doing anything about campus ministry or discipling the, the young people, like you're not directly involved in it or in, at least indirectly, but you're totally not doing anything about it, you're actually doing something about it. Although unfortunately, that's going to be in a negative way. That's why this morning I'm proposing that each one of us this morning, whether you are a professional, you are an employee just like me, I work for Victory, or whether you're a housewife, thank God for housewife. My wife worked 21, 21 years as a housewife. And you know, it's really, I'm not just saying this uh, to please her because she's not here. But it's really hard work being the finance manager, the housekeeper, of, you know, the encourager of the house, you know. She deserves uh, a big pay. Although, you know, uh, I paid her so well that uh, she has everything, you know. <laughs> but every one of us here can actually take part in reaching the young people. And like I said, if we have, if we do not uh, participate in reaching the young people, we are actually doing something about it. You know, in the Philippines, I don't know if you share this sentiment, but a lot of people are saying that uh, in the next year's presidential election, we don't have much options. That, you know, we don't have the best option available. I don't know. Uh, sorry for uh, making a political statement, Pastor Mark, this morning. But anyway, I'm uh, in the Philippines. And I believe also this coming November, you're going to have your own election. Okay? Some are saying it's uh, Dr. Carson is good. He's a Christian. Some are saying it could be Hillary Clinton. You know, it's up to you guys. I'm not going to... But you, you just have to, to vote which one you, you want to, to win as a president, but I'm not going to vote because I'm not an American citizen. <laughs> but in the Philippines, going back to the Philippines, we, we don't have much option, most people say, because that's the effect of not getting involved in the campus ministry. And I'm hoping that as we get more involved in reaching the young people, in the future, they'll have obvious options. And in the Philippines, sorry for uh, keep on saying about the Philippines because I'm from there. <laughs> this is actually my first time in Guam and I find your place beautiful and, and very peaceful. I was telling Jim earlier, uh, it's so relaxing to just drive around the, the city. You know, in, in Manila, I don't want to drive. I just let my wife drive, you know. <laughs> it's stressing me. <laughs> But there's a lot of, like, Filipinos, they love to complain. That's why all the more that we need to preach the gospel in the Philippines. <laughs> you know, about the traffic, about the political option. 
But then again, it all boils down to what did you do in the generations before? That's why even in, in Guam, here in, in your island, I'm sure you have uh, your own problems here, but you can actually do something for the future. And if I might just go uh, to this text, like here in verse 8, it says here, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. And the ESV tells us that he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. For us to reach the young people, it has to be deliberate. It has to be deliberate. You have to know how to communicate to them. You have to know their language. You know, that get, that, uh, when, when I, I had, when my kids grew to become teenagers, my vocabulary became teenage speak also. Okay? Even when I text. Okay, I put stickers and uh, what do you call those? Emoticons. And my kids will complain, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> but if you want to reach the young people, it has to be deliberate. The Apostle Paul here, he went to the synagogue knowing that his immediate listeners, like the, those who came from who were members of Judaism, can be found in the synagogue. And it says there, he reasoned and persuaded them about the kingdom of God. Even the way we speak to these people, if you can just fast forward 21st century campus, you have to speak their language. You know, like, you know, uh, right now we're opening a work uh, somewhere in Quezon City. And it's actually, there was this guy who told us that there's, uh, we can actually rent a place in the mall and on top of the on the top floor is a basketball gym. And last Thursday, uh, the pastors of Victory Ortigas, they organized a game playing with the students who hang out in that court. And it's like, to me, it's like a rewind of when I was a teenager. By the way, I, I used to be a, a student athlete. I used to be part of the varsity of our high school team. I, play, I used to play basketball, but I can't be proud in the campus because I actually was one of those guys who stay in the bench during the game. <laughs> That's why, yeah, I'm part of that team, but I cannot publicly announce and be proud about it because how much did you score last night? Oh, well, zero. Oh, no wonder I, I read your name, Landicho O. There's an extra O. That's, sometimes it's Landicho E, one point, you know. <laughs> I was that kind of guy who, who get to play when uh, we're leading 20 points and that's last two minutes. <laughs> or probably when we're behind, you know. That's the time for me to play. Sometimes when my coach will, will call me, you know, it's time for you to play. No, coach, never mind. Thank you. <laughs> my friends will just mock me afterwards. <laughs> but anyway, we tried to do that. We're trying to do that right now. Play with them, basketball, talk to them about basketball. As you all know, basketball is big in the Philippines. Well, I remember my brother-in-law, who's uh, our Every Nation senior pastor in Detroit. 
he was talking to uh, his campus missionary a lot about basketball. Basketball, Jordan scored this uh, this year. They were. And then the campus missionary guy from Detroit asked him, Hey, Pastor Joel, is uh, basketball big in the Philippines? And he said, uh, It's about the same size. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, going back to my point, <laughs> we have too many detours. <laughs> going back to my point here in verse 8, we have to be deliberate when it comes to reaching the young people. Even the way we talk, hopefully not anymore the way we dress up. Okay, uh, our campus missionaries in Victory Ortigas told us if you do that, they'll run away from you. <laughs> Just be yourself. Just know how to communicate to them. But it says here in verse 9, But some of them became obstinate. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds bad. Some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned away. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Okay, if I may just read the ESV. But when, he, when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Now, Campus ministry is not in the Bible, that, that exact word. But the Tyrannus Hall, actually, in Greek, that is skole, which is where we got the word, the English word school. And Paul was just being strategic here. He knew where to get the, the people that he wanted to reach. And like I said earlier, if we really believe in reaching the young people, then we have to go to the campuses. We have to go there. And I have eight reasons, and I'm sure you have heard about this campus manifesto that uh, Pastor Rice Brooks wrote. I just have to go through that just to refresh our, our calling as a ministry. And that is the reason why I believe it's strategic to reach the campus ministry following the, exam, uh, following the example set here by the Apostle Paul. And from, from our campus manifesto, it says in the first one that in the campus, if you can just show that first statement, that's too much for me to, to memorize. You know, at my, at my age, uh, information is being, you know, it spills out of my head like liquid, you know. If you can just show that first statement that the campus is where the future leaders are right now. The campus is where the future leaders of society are located. You believe that, right? Like from the leaders of the nations. If you can just show that first picture, just the first half. You know this guy. Huh? Have you seen him in TV or have you seen him uh, dancing in the radio? Or <laughs> This guy uh, is just, when you look at him, this was his face actually many years back. He was just like a face in the crowd. 
But this is how he looks like right now. And they said, and well, I'm getting ahead of myself, which is that is actually part of of one of the points in Campus Manifesto, and that is to reach the international students. But if you're going to read the story of this man, they believe, well, that's uh, like 90% confirmed, that this guy studied in Switzerland when he was younger. And nobody dared to talk to this guy about the gospel. You know, all, all that this guy did in Switzerland is to study and play basketball. That's why one of his idols that he brought to North Korea was Dennis Rodman. But imagine if this guy was reached by a campus missionary in uh, Switzerland when he was younger. It's going to be a different North Korea as we know it today. But that only shows the fact that the concentration of future leaders are in the campuses right now. Future presidents, future senators, lawyers, teachers, and most of all, future parents. The most important leaders in the future. You could reach them. You can find them in the campuses. That's why the campus is like a uh, consequential venue of our ministry because it so happened that the future leaders are there. That's why we go there. But that is number one reason why we need to go to the campuses. Because we believe youth ministry is too general and we have to go to the campuses. The next good reason is the campus is where major movements have started. I'm from the you know, I uh, graduated college 1988, but I was reached as a student. That's why I love campus, campus ministry. I used to be a camp, campus missionary myself right after graduation. I served as a campus mission, missionary for two years. I met my wife in campus ministry. She was one of the campus missionaries also. Okay? So, if you want to... No, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember in the 80s, it was, and some of you here remember the, the scene in the Philippines in the 80s. It was like there was much political turmoil. And thank God that, that it was actually a time when major movements are formed. And thank God that when Pastor Steve Merle and Pastor Rice Brooks, they led 65 uh, college students to the Philippines, a lot of uh, pastors were discouraging them, don't go there. That is uh, like uh, the death trap of, of churches. But that, that is where major movements start. And that street in, uh, where they first established the first victory church in the Philippines, it was like a, a kilometer away from the presidential palace. And every Friday, Pastor Steve said, they can still remember there's a, a lot of activism going on. They have to march that one kilometer going to the palace and protest. 
against the president. But right there, a movement was being formed. And it's not just at that time, but in every time, movements are being formed. Major movements are being formed in the campuses. What they have right now in the campuses is going to be a major movement in the future. That's why we have to work hard and reach them right now. Another thing why we believe campus ministry is strategic is the values that they have in the campuses today will become the values in the future. Amen? In the same way, values is something that we can say that neutrality is a myth. We can't simply say everything is about rights. But how do you define rights? It's a different definition probably with the, how the person next to you defines it than how you define it. That's why if the values is going towards relativism, then that's dangerous. We believe in absolutes. There's a clear right and wrong. That's why our, our uh, question always is by what standard? By what standard? It's not just about your right. What if your neighbor's rights, he will tell you, is to shoot your kid? Right? That's why our question is by what standard? The absolute standard is written here in this book. That's why if we will not deliberately go to the campuses and tell them that, then what they have right now will be the values of the society. That's why slowly, I don't want to be judgmental about America, which is Guam is part of. Because I believe, like you guys, there's still a lot of wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Ed Stetzer said that, that uh, it is wrong to say that the numbers of Christians is going down in America. That's true in a way because of the, the, the dwindling membership of the mainline Protestant churches. But he said that there are many independent evangelical groups that really follow the word of God that are actually, that the number is growing. So it's a myth to say that, that it's a post-Christian era in, the, in America. But nevertheless, we believe that we still have to go to the campuses and tell them that these are our values. The word of God is our values. We have to deliberately do that. And another thing is about the campus, just like what Pastor Rice said, the most available and trainable leaders of our society or masses are located in the campus right now. Of course, we understand why adults are Busy because they have to work. But right now, the most available uh, people that can be reached are in the campuses. Amen? Then another thing here is that, if you can just uh, get to the next one, majority of those who become Christians make the decision during their student years. It's easier for kids to be convinced of the Reality of what the gospel offers. Although everyone from 
from many different levels of, uh, or demographics. Everyone needs God. That's very obvious. But you know, these people in the campuses, they're very much open to the gospel. That's why I'm encouraged with uh, what Andy was saying when he said he, they were planning even to, to reach the freshmen and the sophomores in the campus. In fact, uh, well, most of you here uh, used to be a college student. You know that the most uh, insecure guys in the campus, in the campuses are the freshmen and the sophomores. That's why it's a good strategy to start with them. And especially, they'll be staying in the campus longer than the seniors. Okay, I'm not saying that don't reach out to the seniors, but that is a, a more effective strategy. And then the next one, it says here, the campus is where thousands of international students from unreached nations are studying and are very open to being reached for Christ. And that is true. Like our Every Nation Church in Nepal, that was actually planted by the Nepalese who came from the Philippines many years ago. They studied in our, uh, we have a Rice Institute in the Philippines at the University. University of the Philippines, Los Banos. These Nepalese came to the Philippines to study about different technology, but mainly about uh, agriculture. And they got saved in the campus. And when they went back to their home country, Nepal, and they met there in, in, uh, in their country, and one day they just decided, why don't we just plant our own church here? It was just uh, formalized by inviting a Filipino pastor, their campus missionary when they were still in UPLB. And as we always say, the rest is history. But it started by reaching out to the international students. And it says here in a verse 10, This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Why is this just Ephesus? But Ephesus was one of the most important cities in the Roman Empire at that time, comparable only to Corinth, Alexandria, and Rome itself. But it was a very strategic city. And I heard from Andy last night that your University of Guam is a very strategic campus. People from different islands in the Marianas came, come here to, to study and all the more, this is why this point is very important. Amen? Let's reach out to the, even to the international students. We can actually have impact in our neighboring countries. And not just that. Like your mission statement is even beyond Micronesia. You can actually do that. By reaching out to the international students. Amen? Then the next one is... It's like what the, the prophet Joel was saying. God has promised to pour out His Spirit in the, last, in the last days upon sons and daughters. So, young people count as one. When there's a parent and a kid, that's not two and a half. That's three. And that's basically like in Joel chapter 2. If you can just show that passage, it says here, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit and all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. 
And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. How many of you here, you still dream? No wonder. Old men shall dream dreams. <laughs> but if you're a young person here, you have visions. <laughs> well, anyway, just a side comment. But God values the young people also. Not also, but they're of the same value compared to adults. That's what basically this point is saying. And then the last one, it says here that when you reach a student, you touch his or her family. A a student is a doorway to a family. You believe that? You know, one time there was a, a... a barber in a San Francisco Bay Area, American. He was a Christian. One day, he just decided to, to bless Asians with a free haircut. He decided, well, I'm going to give free haircut to Asian immigrants. I know it's hard for them to, to live in this place. It's expensive, all those reasons. And true enough, that day, a Chinese guy came to his barber shop. He cut the hair of the Chinese guy, but afterwards, the, that guy was paying him and he said, no, it's for free. Chinese guy said, what do you mean? It's for free. I just decided to give that free service. Oh, Xie thank you very much. Chinese guy left. The next day, while the barber was opening his shop, by the door was a plate of noodles and pork buns. And a note that says, thank you very much. Barber, the barber guy said, well, what you sow is what you reap. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. He opened his barber shop that day. But that day, a Japanese guy came. Japanese guy had a haircut. He was paying. Barber said, no, it's for free. Japanese guy said, arigato. Thank you. The guy left. The next day, while the barber was opening his shop, he noticed a plate of sushi and a ceramic vase by the door of his shop. Similar note, thank you so much for the free haircut. What you saw is what you reap. He opened the door of his shop. But that day, a Filipino guy came. <laughs> he cut the hair of the Filipino guy, you know. A guy was paying. He said, no, it's for free. Are you sure? Filipino guy said, yeah. Oh, salamat po. Thank you for the free haircut. The guy left. The next day, while the barber was opening his shop, he noticed a group of men <laughs> nearby. <laughs> and, you know, he opened his shop and it's fully open. The guy from yesterday stood up. Oh, mga kababayan, tara na, libre gupit dito. <laughs> Basically saying, it's free haircut, let's go. <laughs> and you know, Filipinos love good deals, sale, you know, how many, how many percent, you know, or freebies, to the point that they would call their relatives Friends to avail of the same promo. 
Amen? But how many of you here, guys, you believe that the gospel is the best deal that one could get? And it is documented here, it's a free gift. And I believe that if you are a convinced customer, it's not hard for you to tell others about, about what God is offering to us. Especially the young people. You know, I remember when I, I got saved. I was like uh, fourth year in, in my college. I took up a five-year course. But I was actually in the middle of my sinful lifestyle at that time. I was not that kind of guy who could, who could say that I was searching for God, you know. But I was in the middle of my sin that the Lord stopped me. And it's like, he's like telling me, sit down, listen to me. You know what, the, what happened to me? One day I was a uh, fourth year college. I had this chicken pox. I don't know if you call that the same thing here in, in Guam. Like I have boxes as big as corn grain on my face. And that forced me to, to stay in the house for like weeks. And at that time, when I was a teenager, we only have like what, three to four channels in the Philippines, in the t- television. And I've watched everything in the television at that time. I had to stay the whole day. That I got to, to watch this, this TV program called The 700 Club. And what got me was a testimony of uh, uh, Dr. J, Julius Irving. He was the Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan. And he was uh, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I don't know if uh, Dr. J is still a Christian or what. I hope he is. But when I heard him giving his testimony, I was thinking, well, this, this program is good. So, you know, to the point that I have to watch that TV show every day. And I discovered another one on a Saturday morning. It's called The Forerunner, where one of the co-hosts was Pastor Rice Brooks. And, you know, I got healed of my chicken pox for, like, after a few days. But even when I was already going to school, I have to run going back home just to catch 700 Club. And Saturday morning, The Forerunner. One day, I called 700 Club. I, I asked them to pray for me. The guy from the other end of the, the line uh, told me, well, well, he prayed for me. And then he asked me, where do you live? Well, I live in the Sampaloc district of Manila. And the guy said, we have Christian churches along Recto Avenue. And they enumerated the names of the churches. When they mentioned the name of our church, that time, Victory I was thinking, that was the church of Pastor Rice Brooks. So I attended the service, and and, and thank God I got saved in that uh, congregation. Because when I got there, I saw some of my classmates. And they followed me up in the campus. That's why I love campus ministry. I got saved 
through campus ministry, I became a campus missionary. I needed campus ministry for my own kids. Because praise God for parents, your natural disciples are your kids. But with all these bombardments, you know, going on in the minds of the students, you, you got to work with campus missionaries. And that's why when I got saved, I, 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 uh, my sister, who's younger than me, we have eight kids in that family. Some of my kids, at that, uh, some of my siblings at that time were already in America, but, and they were attending Bible studies already. But at the time when I got saved, I was so on fire, and I've got this sister, the, the one who came after me, who was planning to become a nun. You know what a nun is? <laughs> Somehow, uh, the nun is related to Joshua. Never mind. <laughs> she wanted to become a nun and uh, right after high school, but my, my father said, no, just, can you just wait for two years, just attend your class in UP, then after two years, let's talk again. That was actually Feb of 1987. A few months or a few weeks after, that's going to end her second year in college, and she will go straight to, what, what do you call that, nunnery? <laughs> convent but you know before I got saved I used to read the Bible a lot even if I was an unbeliever and I even argue while drinking with my buddies do you know what the Bible said and then beep beep you know, I was an unbeliever and I used to argue with my sister because, hey, you really just not, blah, blah, blah. You know that the Bible says, beep, you know. But that day, I came home. And probably she could tell it was a different spirit flowing out from me. Because there was compassion. There was truth that I was talking to her about. I was so excited. You know, that critical spirit left. And, you know, that, that moment, I, I, I told her, do you want to go with me on Sunday? And true enough, she went with me. And she told me, you know, can, can I attend the Mass in the morning and then go to the service in the afternoon? And we did that for a few weeks. But one day, while Pastor Jun Escusar was preaching, my sister accepted the Lord. And from one doorway of the family to the next, and to our family, she is actually the, the bastion of, of religion in our family. And to my other siblings, they, they witnessed that my sister gave up what she, she used to believe in. And, and right now, she's preaching the gospel to them. And not long afterwards, you know, our whole family got saved. Even my parents. And I could attest to the fact that a young people is actually a, a doorway to the family. When you reach a young person, then you're reaching a family. And these are just some of the reasons why we believe that the campus ministry 
is very important. Again, you cannot be neutral about this. And if you're not involved, when I say involved, you don't have to, do, to go to the campuses yourselves. But probably connect young people to Andy or even to Pastor Mark. You know, ask them to get discipled or even bring them to church or to a, a life group. A young people's life group. Or if you're available and you have uh, an expertise to talk about, probably, you, you know, Andy could work out something like booking you in a, in a talk just to be directly involved in the campus. And I heard last night that there's a lot of you here are teachers too. You know, you could start earlier by reaching to the elementary students. You know, they're the same. Like I said, they count as one. They're not three-fourths or one-fourth. We can actually get involved in reaching the young generation. And I'm, I'm sure, just like what we said earlier, that the best way to predict the future is to disciple it. We believe we're following the strategy set by the Apostle Paul. We will go to that you know, court wherever this, this game is being held. And we want to win because we want to honor God. Even in, the, in, in Guam and beyond Micronesia. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Can we all stand up? I'll pray initially, but I'll turn this over to Pastor Mark. Lord, we thank you for, for your word. Thank you, God, that you have showed us, you have shown us a blueprint, oh God. Actually, a prototype of how to reach the young people, Lord. This, this can be found in Acts 19, Lord. And we pray, Father God, that each one will have this vision, Lord, to, to reach the young people. Thank you, Lord, for this church has a heart, O oh God, to, to reach the young people. Father, we just agree with that prayer. We thank you, God, for your heart for young people. And Father, I pray that as you are speaking to our hearts, that you would enable us to just be in the right position spiritually, to be available and to be in faith. Lord, and to be willing to give and to share the life lessons that you've given us. And so as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity just to respond to the Lord. And, and if, if you feel like today, as you listen to Pastor Noel, that there was a statement or a scripture verse that was read that really touched your heart and you thought, God, I want to apply that in my life. I want to be available to be used by you. I want to give you a chance just to say, yes, Lord, I'm here. And if that sounds like you, I want to give you a moment just to kind of be quiet before the Lord and just do some business with him. And just to say, yes, God, I'm, I'm committing myself, my time, my resources, my life. And then in a moment, we're going to pray together. And so, Father, you see each heart here today. Lord, you know where we're at. And, God, you know those that are uh, making themselves available to you. And, God, for each person, 
that has that desire to serve you in this way by reaching young people, I ask that you would give opportunities. Lord, you would also give them creativity to be able to create opportunities. That you would help them to see opportunities and to hear the voice of your spirit leading them when those opportunities are present. And so, Father, would you work in and through us, Lord, to reach the next generation. Father, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit and give us your heart, your heart of love and compassion to be able to reach out and to engage and to be able to befriend and to disciple younger people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's give Pastor Noel a round of appreciation. Thank you, Pastor Noel. Great message.